0: Thank you for pressing start on episode 38 of Underplayed, KZUM's indie video game podcast. Today, we have two secret games, followed by a review of our featured game, Abzu. Here on Underplayed, we review indie games of all kinds, the games with small budgets but big hearts, the lesser-known experiences with imaginative ideas. I'm Bopo, and joining me is my player two playing games he wants to review. He's the Indiepedia with Physical Media. I'm talking about the start-pressing, secret game-guessing, holding your controller, Disco-Cola, what is going on? Oh, man, I love that voice. Have Have you
1: ever watched The Legend of Korra? I have not. okay. uh, Blind spot, list of shame. It's okay. Don't worry. Anyways, that's that's a callback to that show, and I hope you catch it someday. But But, anyways, to answer your question, I'm doing okay. I do have, at times, a hard time hearing you with all this uh, water in my ear, but uh,
0: I'll get by. How are you? I'm doing just fine. My friendly shark... (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's our strongest off. references to date i think <laughs> and
0: those references are to our featured game abzu uh, which is probably one of our shortest featured games we've ever played i think probably our shortest it's safe to say and probably why our references are just such yeah, a big stretch <laughs> just not a lot to go off of there but uh, i'm excited to talk about abzu with you in the latter part of this episode uh, at the intro here, before we get to our secret games, you know, right now we are in the best spot of the year for gaming news. We're getting all kinds of gaming announcements, Summer Game Fest kind of just wrapped up as we sit down to record, and this is going to sound a little outdated like all of our, yeah, yeah, our yeah, newsworthy yeah. topics, but hey, we're addressing it at some point, point. and I wanted us, since we've been paying so close attention to all of the Summer Game Fest news, especially all the indie games— that are announced and are being given updates, I want to talk about maybe four to six games each that we're really looking forward to or that caught our attention or that we were excited to see from Summer Game Fest. And so this can be from any of the showcases. There's Day of the Devs, uh, which I really loved this year. Um, There was the Devolver Direct, which was just insanity. (laughs) That was something. They have lost their minds at (laughs) Devolver, and I am here for it. Uh, Just insane. And then Wholesome Games. They had nearly 80 games revealed at Wholesome Games. So a lot to talk about there. Um, And so I just wanted you, Disco-Cola, tell us what games are you coming away with super jazzed about?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, you said we were paying close attention, but I'll be honest, I was cleaning pretty much the house like through all of those days. So I'm going to do my best, but I'm sure I missed some. Um, I've got like seven actually, but like two or three of them are are games that we've seen stuff about before so like cocoon and the Snuffkin game um i've seen stuff about both of those previously and i'm really excited for those um but the ones that were new to me uh were a highland song which is like this um scottish themed platformer with seems like some rhythm elements uh which sounds really cool um frog song looks really cool it's got some like Bug enemies, and you play as a frog, and it's got this cute art style. Um, I saw that one on the Wholesome Direct.
0: Yes, lots of frog games at lots the Wholesome of Direct. Games. That was kind of a big theme.
1: Um, I Am a Caterpillar was another one. More oh, yes. bugs.
0: That was like one of the first games they showed, I yeah, think. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I had to go rewatch it because I, I had missed the beginning. But uh, that one looks kind of cool. Um, it reminds me of like a curiosity that I have about Pokemon that evolve and the permanence of that. And this this seems to be a story that touches on that. So I'm really curious about that. Um, the Guardian of Nature looks really fun, and I like the art style. Uh, and then Beastie Ball, which I saw in two different directs. I've kind of fallen out of love with Pokemon, <laughs> you know, just as a franchise. I just can't keep up with it anymore. Um, but this looks like it it could potentially scratch that Pokemon itch in a much more disciplined world maybe not quite as much as I want to play like cassette beasts or something but um still could be fun
0: beastie balls from the same developer who made chicory a colorful Tale, yeah um, which will be our featured game next time so yeah. it's interesting to see their range here where this definitely looks like a cozy game like that one but a very different genre
1: yeah it's just like this monster raising rpg so yeah yeah so and I, and I like I don't care about like sports like at all but uh, still looks pretty fun, and I do like the art style. Cool. Um, how about you? What are your What's on your list?
0: Uh, you know, you kind of briefly mentioned Cocoon. Uh, we've talked about that one a lot before, and you know, we saw more about how that game will work with the worlds um, being just like shrunk down into spheres mm-hmm. that you carry into other worlds, and then those are how you solve puzzles. And I've seen just tons of comprehensive discussions about Summer Game Fest and how lots of people are coming away thinking Cocoon is their favorite game from the entire event, from all showcases, from all demos that they tried, oh, wow. and also saying that, hey, this might be a game of the year contender for me. So I'm even more jazzed about Cocoon, but I didn't even write that one down in on my list. Um, I also noted a Highland song, the Scottish adventure platformer, exuberant music, I didn't know I wanted a game so Scottish before (laughs) I saw the quick trailer for that. Um, I wrote down for what seems like, you know, the fifth time I've talked about this game. Maybe it's only the second or third, but Viewfinder. Oh, yeah. um, We got more stuff. We got more stuff about that. I'm even more excited about that. It's coming to PlayStation and other platforms. I think PC. And um, a demo is out. I have not played it yet. I want to get to the demo. Steam Next Fest starts next week, and I'm going to be talking about all the demos I try for <laughs> Steam Next Fest. And so maybe I'll lump in Viewfinder in there. I don't know. But um, it just, it's a trippy game about taking pictures, and then the 2D plane of that picture becomes a 3D environment that you walk in. And it goes in so many directions, and it looks like the, the potential uh, there is limitless. Um, I also wrote down Summer Hill, which is just a gorgeous um, – kind of introspective looking game about a young shepherd and a dog. It looks like it'll make me cry. Uh, I wrote down retro gadgets from day of the devs. Uh, this is where you're learning about circuitry and invention and you're putting together, like, it looks like a great way to get into programming. And it just looks like a accessible way to introduce these tools for creation to anyone who wants to feel creative. And, um, my dad, Has always been kind of an inventor. He's always been really good with like, you know, circuitry and fusing stuff together and making electronics work. He has um, kind of a degree in electronics and he's kind of used that his whole life. And I feel like this is a game he and I could bond over. So that makes me excited. And then um, Kibu, this is the follow up to Omno. Yeah. And this uh, is kind of taking that aesthetic of Omno, but it's also adding in exploring or it's it has exploring like Omno, but it's adding in building and farming. So that's really interesting. And it made it a really good fitting for um, the wholesome direct. And then my last one I wrote down was still wakes the deep. And I sent the trailer of this to you. But this is the next game from the Chinese room who made Dear Esther and Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Right. And this is the really creepy one where right. you're on like a, a ship or whatever, and it looks amazing and creepy. And um, there's just a wide variety of, of games that were shown off. And so that one was more on the horror mystery yeah. side of things.
1: Yeah. There were a couple others that, that look really cool and that I want to try out, but I think yeah. these were the ones that, that stand out in my mind.
0: Yes. There are some that you just come away with like days later, a week later, and you're still thinking about them, and that's kind of this list for me. I could mention two dozen other games that <laughs> you know I really liked, but there's just not enough time, there's too many games to too play. Many games. so with uh, that out of the way, let us move on. to our secret games. The Secret game. secret. In this segment, we each review an indie game we've been playing in secret. We're revealing what we've been playing right in this moment. I have no idea what Disco Cola has been playing. He has no idea what I've been playing. Usually it is not as as uh, well known of an indie game, it's not quite as high on the prestige list. So it gives us an opportunity to maybe highlight uh, something that is a little, you know, quite literally underplayed on our show. And so we will start with you, Disco Cola. Let the mystery be no more. Reveal your secret game for episode 38 of Underplayed.
1: All right. I did a, something a little spicy. My secret game comes from Inti Creates and it's called Galgun. Galgun? No, I'm actually just kidding. It's not. I didn't play Galgun. My secret game. Is it from Inti Creates? No, it's not. Okay. Uh, my secret game actually comes from Agro Crab. Oh, which can literally only mean oh, one uh, thing. Wait wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. Uh going under. Going, going under. under. Hey. That is my secret game. Oh my goodness. And so I've just sent you that trailer. Oh, I get it. Going under Abzu, going underwater. Yep. Is that really There that's that's the so literal d- connection. Disco Cola likes to find a little synergy <laughs> between his secret game and the featured game. Is it really just the name? Literally just that. Do you go underwater in going under?
1: Uh no, not no. exactly. Oh, okay, got it. it. Just I, going, literally going under. I can still dig it. I can still yeah, dig it. Yeah, I didn't know very much about Abzu before playing it, so that gotcha. that also has to do with it. So <laughs> I'll, let it. You,
0: I'll let you check that out while I go on. Okay, I'm checking out this trailer you just sent.
1: So in Going Under, you play as Jacqueline or Jackie Fiasco is her name, and she is starting her new marketing internship at the energy drink company called Fizzle which is a startup recently acquired by Cubicle.
0: Oh, I bet Cubicle is really corporate and boring.
1: I bet Cubicle is super great and not at all terrible. (laughs) Exploitative. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) After a short onboarding video, Fizzle has an unwanted guest. A goblin-like creature is in the lobby. Project manager Marv tasks you with defeating the goblin as your first task as intern. Afterward, your next intern task is to enter the failed cubicle company, Joblin, and confront the boss of Joblin to prevent more goblins from coming upstairs. And you are now literally going under. Ah. Pretty quickly, after you inevitably fail your first dungeon crawl, you meet the rest of the Fizzle team, Fern, who's is a is the flavors expert. Tappy, who is the uh, main accountant. Kara is the lead developer. And then Swamp is the brand ambassador. And Ray is the CEO and co-founder of Fizzle. And now your internship is no longer aimed at marketing, and it never was, but it is aimed at defeating the bosses in this roguelite action parody of startup slash Silicon Valley culture. Um, As you can see there, visually, all of the character models are sort of made with these crude shapes and obnoxious colors. So uh, for those of you listening, think of like 90s toy commercials. Um, However, dialogue moments are treated with like hand-drawn illustrations with much more detail. Eventually, your goal switches from keeping goblins out of fizzle to acquiring something from the bosses of three failed companies. Um, which are Joblin, which is sort of an analog for like an odd jobs or an Uber or a DoorDash type of company. Uh, Winky, which is a dating app where you can only use emojis and then StixCoin, (laughs) which is a cryptocurrency. So all great things, uh, (laughs) never destined to fail. All things
0: you're a personal fan of. Yes. And I
1: have used every single one of those (laughs) at least once. Yes. On dungeon runs, you will encounter random waves of themed enemies, and you will have to use the items around the offices to help defeat your enemies. Um, Weapons can be pretty much anything. So just to give you some examples, you can use a bone club, you can use a sword, you can use a pencil, you can use a computer keyboard, you can use a potted cactus or a sticky hand. Or body pillows. And there's just so many more than that.
0: Yeah, the trailer says use anything as a weapon. Anything. it is then just a montage of tons of items being picked up and and used. There's
1: so many more things that you would expect to just be environments that are also able to be used as weapons. It's crazy. Whoa. Um, You can also increase your abilities by finding what are called skills. And these are sort of passive abilities that might add Maybe strength to your attacks or cause you to electrocute enemies um, or even rally enemies to fight for you. Oh. Um, the entrepreneur, which is a minor <laughs> character uh, and who's sort of also a parallel to like chaos from Hades, kind of works in the same way. He'll give you sort of this temporary curse in exchange for multiple bonuses, um, usually like two skills and some money. Um but no, more importantly, in my opinion, the entrepreneur is a parody of the Lambo guy with the books. Do you remember these YouTube ads from Lambo, like
0: Lamborghini guy? Yeah, with yeah, books like, with I've, the books. I'm not nothing's conjuring in my mind. There,
1: like probably 2011 to 2013 or so. There was this guy, this Lamborghini guy, who's like, check out my Lamborghini. Look at all this stuff I have. But none of it's more important to me than my books, and obviously <laughs> oh, he's trying I to sell you. I completely you. missed. This. Oh man, you're lucky. Yeah. Oh. But when when I found out that when I saw oh, it was like an advertisement. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It. Yeah. It okay. Just I totally laughed out loud. Literally, the first time <laughs> I found this guy, It was just like, "Oh my god, it's the Lambo guy!" So
0: that's a nice treat. Which, coming from Agro Crab, is the kind of joke they yeah. would play. Oh, totally. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, totally. Um, you can also start each run, in addition to all your skills, you can start each run with a mentor equipped. Now these will be like mentorships from one of your coworkers, and will sort of change something about the dungeon. So, for example, if you have like fern equipped, enemies will sometimes drop cans of fizzle, each of which will have a different effect when used in combat. Some will heal you, some will cause an explosion, some will shock your enemies... Um, You can also level up your mentorships by completing specific tasks, again, usually themed after the mentor's role at Fizzle. So again, if I use Fern as an example, he'll have tasks that include finding or manipulating food items that you can find in the dungeon. So you can cook a sandwich, and that's a toasted sandwich. Or you find the golden eggplant in, in the Winky dungeon. Um, and then those will level up your your mentorships and cause just like greater effects within the dungeon. Mm. And so this is one of the small areas of meta, meta progression. The other element of meta progression is in the skills. Um, these skills that I mentioned earlier can be purchased in the dungeons. And after you've spent enough time using that skill within a dungeon, um, you can eventually unlock access to use it at the start of a dungeon. So you can, have it, you can have it equipped from the beginning. Um, this way you always have access to your favorite skill. And then more skills appear within dungeons as you unlock them in the fizzle main office. So the cycle kind of goes, earn the currency to unlock the skills in the main office. Purchase those skills so that they can appear in dungeons. And then use them in the dungeons, usually three or four times. Um, and then any singular one of those skills can then be equipped at the beginning of your dungeon raid. So that's how you sort of meta-progress, and then you can start your raids as as best a state as you want, based on how much you've unlocked. Everything else that I could kind of mention before likes and dislikes kind of contains spoilers, so I'm gonna move on to some things that I like. Um, I think the general art style is charming, and I think it does a lot to support... The general vibe and the music even, um, but it also does a lot to support the story and writing of the game. Um, speaking of, I think the writing here is actually amazing. The commentary on Silicon Valley style startups, hustle culture, and capitalism at large are hilarious. Every main character gets a chance to shine here to, offering lines that sort of display their passions and personalities while also tying them to their work-life balance or imbalance in most cases and allowing for that um, that tongue-in-cheek jab at uh, capitalism.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because just looking at the trailer, I think there's only one moment where there is dialogue going on. And so I can't really get a sense of that. But yeah. there's that other layer that I'm not seeing here. Yeah, so that's cool. certainly
1: not something I was expecting to get. Sweet. Um, speaking of characters some of the characters in Going Under are some of my favorite in the season and definitely for a while before that as well. Swamp is fun, Fern is adorable. Um but Kara, the lead developer is easily one of my favorite characters in our underplayed career. Wow. Um, we'd have to have some real standouts for the rest of the season for her to not be in my end of year list. So yes. spoilers. Um but uh again, she's the lead developer uh but she also harbors this incredible hatred for technology and if i had to guess it's actually because of her developer knowledge that she hates <laughs> technology um a lot of people by now know that i'm a flip phone boy and a lot of those people assume it's just because i'm like this edgy contrarian or you know apprehensive about uh new tech and while it certainly started out that way um a lot of my greater apprehensions today are rooted in what technology does, especially in relation to capital. And so right. that's where a lot of my my um, notions come
0: from. Yeah. I don't know if this is worth mentioning, but we've talked quite a bit about how our smartphones and our other devices spy on us. You yeah. Know? And I, I like sharing those with you because I like feeling that paranoia. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. I
1: definitely yeah. never lose sleep.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, it also worries me. But uh, yeah.
1: Um, but. Kara's also really sarcastic, and I just, I love her so much. So I look forward to um, putting her on my list, essentially. Yeah, nice. Um, I do like the meta progression in this game. I think it strikes a pretty good balance between giving you something to ease your runs without giving you basically a free ticket to the end. Um, though I obviously wouldn't mind an easier time getting through some of the dungeons. Um, but I think it's a, a decent balance. I really like the music in this game. Um Someone that was watching me play it had commented on sort of the elevator music feel. And while that's a little bit of an oversimplification, the music does always feel like really sort of upbeat and kind of peppy like elevator music. And it's just a good time. Um, And I even get some of the most unexpected tracks randomly stuck in my head. So they're doing something right. Um, For the most part, I do like the chaotic nature of being able to use like basically any item as a weapon. The downside to this, though, is that there are so many different usable items that I don't really want to experiment once I've found the like three or four kinds of items that have been producing good results. So there may still be some sort of weapon that I'm missing that, you know, would have maybe given me a much better time Mm. that I'm just not exploring because there's so much to choose from. Um, And then lastly, I think the final climax and ultimate ending are pretty satisfying story-wise. It's a pretty good payoff. Um, Was it worth all the trouble that I had getting there? No, not quite. And that's sort of where my dislikes start. And that's just that this game is too hard. Mm. Um, Once you start leveling up some of the meta progression, you do start getting through dungeons much more easily. And I got to the point where it was taking me like, exponentially fewer tries to clear a dungeon um compared to the previous dungeon uh and when i thought i was about to beat the game everything changed there's sort of a bit of a fake out ending in this game and then you essentially have to like do it all again and it's way harder like way really harder wow the like the how long to be average on this game is like twelve
0: hours. So you probably look. Did you look at that ahead of time? Oh,
1: absolutely. And then you're, you're I almost, planned my season based on that.
0: And then you're almost near the end, and you're you're going, wow, I just, I'm a master of this.
1: Yeah, game. well, it was like I usually add on two hours because it takes me about two hours longer than the score. Um, and I was at about twelve hours when I got to what I thought was the end, oh, and I was no. feeling pretty good. But then that reset happened, and it's just so much harder, and it's like a.
0: So did a this straight m- up more than double the amount of time then? For it you, literally took me more than double the oh, amount of time. Oh, my word. Yeah. Oh,
1: no. Huge difficulty spike. Straight upward spike.
0: I mean, I'm trying to think of other games you've spent that much time in on your secret game. I'm thinking of like Rain World you spent a lot of time in. Yeah. I'm um, trying to think of anything that comes to this level in the secret game category. Oh, gosh. Playtime-wise.
1: I mean... I
0: if I looked at the list I could tell you but Yeah, but not many games are played for this long.
1: Yeah, certainly not this much longer than my expectation. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean this comes down to skill issue, I guess. It must because I can't fathom getting through to the real credits in 12 hours. Um but other than that one pretty major complaint, there're just a few smaller complaints. Um The game has just a little bit of situational jank. Hitboxes can feel weird. Um, There's also like a curse that switches you to first person view for a few combats. And then one time when I went from first person back to third person, the camera couldn't figure out what to do. I was able to fix it with some like pause game manipulation. Um, But that happened and I was really nervous that I'd lost my run. Um, occasionally I would get stuck behind objects with no easy way to get out. Uh, though, I guess in these cases, some of that jank helped because I was able to just like cheese the collision until I could get out, just like run into walls until something happened. Um, and then one time it was so weird. I just like broke the logic of the game. So I had a skill set that let me start each combat in disguise, which means the enemies won't attack me. Uh, And I also had a skill that would occasionally light my foes on fire when I lock onto them. So essentially, I was going through the whole dungeon without having to move at all because I'm in disguise. And then just lighting them on fire just by locking Mm. onto them. Mm. Um, And it was an easy dungeon run. And then I got to the boss and the disguise and the fire both work on the boss. Not all skills work on the boss like they do minor enemies um, but this boss also has a cutscene when you get his health down to a certain point, and I think it was a combination of Jackie just sitting in her animate her idle animation paired with like the boss not being in an aggro state. Just it just stopped the game. Whoa! I just couldn't keep it. Just wouldn't go.
0: Oh no! So
1: I had to abandon that run, and this was like a dungeon. That I was attempting for like just three hours before that. Oh, so I was I was pretty upset when when I failed. What seemed like sorry yeah, it seemed like such a sure victory. Such a bummer. Another complaint is that I wish weapon durability would be upped just across the board. Like, yeah, the dungeons are littered with items that you can use as weapons, but many of these just aren't really feasible options, and so I'm burning through a lot of weapons really quickly yeah, and to the point where I just have like really heavy items left that I would get killed quickly if I was holding. So I would just like durability up across the board. That would make my life a lot easier. Yeah. Um, So the game
0: is encouraging you to try new things all the time. uh, I kind of forcing you to forcing, but you don't want to do that. Yeah.
1: I'll, I'll go back to like previous rooms and pick up something (laughs) Uh, that I was like, Oh, I left that one behind. I'll go get it real quick. Um, And then lastly, there are just certain skill and item descriptions that are pretty vague. Like, yes, they're all funny, including the vague ones, but if I'm going to choose my really valuable pre dungeon equip slots on stuff that could do anything, I'm just gonna skip that one. Like I'm not gonna test it out. I'm just gonna pick something that I know. Right. You
0: know? Kind of what you did with Hades. Yeah. A little bit.
1: Yeah. So, Going Under is a hilarious commentary wearing roguelike clothes. When I play Going Under, I am having fun until I'm not. Mostly just when I'm getting totally bodied in uneven fights. The only thing that really holds me back from absolutely loving this game is the difficulty and certain elements that are vague. Um, Though the combat and controls give me a great deal of hope in AgroCrab's next game, which bills itself as a Souls-like. So I think that's a good sign. I think they can do it, um, or at least I have a great deal of hope about that. Um, I do occasionally want to go back uh, and finish leveling up mentorships and skills, so that one more try urge is there. Um, But for me, this is somewhere between a 7.0 and 7.5, and when I look at other games I've scored in that range, I lean more toward a 7.5.
0: 7.5, okay. Still a largely positive score from Disco Cola for going under... Um, now you briefly mentioned it there at the end. I was going to ask you about another crab's treasure. And now that you have seen Agro Crab's first game going under, you have gotten more of a sense of um how they speak in their games, not just on Twitter. Because that was your (laughs) your only that was your only um experience with them is seeing the funny tweets, the the gags that they do online. Now that you've kind of gotten a sense of their personality when they're making an interactive experience. Are your expectations for Another Crab's Treasure altered in any way? Is it, is it making you think like, oh, I hope they bring this kind of um, quality from this game into their next game?
1: Honestly, the, the writing of Going Under has little impact on how I feel about Another Crab's Treasure. Because I'm kind of hoping for silent protagonists in, a, in Another Crab's Treasure. I kind of want it to just be a crab. But the combat and controls and the physics that are at work and going under give me a lot of hope for something that's supposed to be a Souls-like. So I'm I'm looking forward to actually controlling the crab a little bit more than I was before.
0: Another Crab's Treasure was another game that wasn't necessarily shown at Summer Game Fest, but people played it. So there was a demo that people got first impressions with. I saw some of that on Twitter this past week, and I saw some people— who both, you know, love all the Souls-like games and have played them and mastered them and, you know, done everything you can in those games. I've seen people come away like that and say that they loved Another Crab's Treasure and they can't wait to play more. And I also saw some people who didn't have as much experience with those games come away and say that they loved it. So Ooh,
1: good sign. Really good signs. That's, just that's coming on our out of potential, potential queue of, of featured games. Yeah. We have to wait for it to release
0: first. We'll wait for it to release. We'll see what kind of an impact it makes. Um, I think it has a pretty good shot, like of really landing in a big way because it's just a new kind of game in a genre that people love. But um, also just wanted to ask about going under, where does this rank among other roguelikes you've played just because we don't play as many of the games in this genre, but it is a popular genre in the indie game world.
1: Right. Um, well, I haven't made an effort to play a lot of those, honestly. I know there aren't too many. Yeah. I have this impression that I hate them, but, um, I definitely like it more than into the breach. Um, fair. Uh, but I don't I still have been going back to like Cult of the Lamb a lot still this season. So I, I really love Cult of the Lamb. Yeah. Um, I still like Slay the Spire. I don't play that one as much as I did. So it's probably just under Slay the Spire for me. Cool. Um, But you know, like that's like, I've only played like five roguelites. Yeah. What are your (laughs) top
0: 100 roguelites? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, Hades 95 times and then everything else. Uh, Yeah,
0: I like that. I I like that list a lot. It's very similar to my list. Well, okay, what is Going Under playable on? Going
1: Under is on Switch, Xbox One, Windows, and then I played it on PS4 with the limited run games, physical edition.
0: It is time for my secret game. My secret game uh, (laughs) has a very weird name. One of the strangest... Named games, but it also describes the game. Nuts! (laughs) It's the prequel Nut. (laughs) No, it is called Atomic Run Gun Jump Gun.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And I just sent you a trailer, which you can watch. All right. So Atomic Run Gun Jump Gun is a 2016 arcade auto runner shmup? Okay. <laughs> Question mark. Uh, it was developed by 33. It was published by Good Shepherd Entertainment. I will read the game synopsis from the Steam storefront. Quote Atomic Run Gun Jump Gun is a tough as nails game that puts a gravity defying weapon in your hands. One button lets you fly, the other blasts obstacles out of the way. With a cast of crazed characters, challenging gameplay, and a pulsing musical score, it delivers twitchy, platforming goodness, end quote. So that Steam storefront description is actually quite helpful. It talks about how the game works, uh, which is it's a game with two buttons. You know, it talks about the setting. It's, it's very efficient, actually. And uh, this is actually in that category of games that I have played before. You've played this before? I, I thought
1: this was like... I So I've seen this trailer before, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought it was pretty
0: new, but uh, I definitely put it out of my brain. So you've played this before. I've played this before, and I think I know where you may have seen this trailer um, because this game got a physical Switch release from Super Rare Games this year. Mm, but I think the, you're right. But the game is seven years old. Okay. So uh, I did check on that Super Rare game stock, and half of the stock of this game roughly remains. Oh. Uh, so if I convince you to buy this game, maybe <laughs> you'll be chasing that physical. Uh, so I got a big job here to do. But uh, this, this game also kind of synergizes with going under in that it becomes very hard, yeah. too. So Look,
1: That's why I put it out of my brain. Right. So
0: <laughs> that will probably chase you away. But um, Atomic Run Gun, Jump Gun... Is a game that when I first played was just called Run Gun Jump Gun. I swear, I swear to you, they added atomic on the front later.
1: Yeah, the trailer just says run gun jump gun. Right.
0: Too. So for the purposes of of like this review, I am acknowledging the atomic. I might just say run gun jump gun for shorthand. Uh, but on the name of the episode, we're gonna use atomic. We're okay. gonna do the full thing, baby. Um, so, uh, yes, I had played this before. Didn't beat it uh, when I played it like five years ago, um, but it was always in my mind as like this indie game that was really interesting. And when we started doing this show, um, I put it in that really long secret list of secret games that I could play. So here I am reviewing it. Um, I have beaten it now. I replayed it these past few weeks. And this game takes place in a solar system called the X-Tax system. and. Uh, the sun in this solar system is devouring planets, and all of the peoples of the solar system are sort of losing their minds. <laughs> There's this general state of apocalyptic paranoia and craziness, and you kind of see it play out before each level where you have a head-and-shoulders shot of one of the citizens of one of the planets just saying one weird line to you, <laughs> and you just see their design. It's really Detail. Yeah, there's
1: a lot of crazy designs going on here. I love it. Yeah.
0: You can see a ton of them in the trailer. And uh you play as the scavenger with a gun, and you're trying to collect atomics, which are these bright green collectibles. And it seems like the atomics have something to do with the solar system collapsing. A lot of the people you talk to, they'll sometimes mention the atomics. But that is really it as far as the story. This game really has a, a shallow excuse of a narrative to just uh, give you this really bright and kinetic arcade action and so this game has a detailed pixel art style you're side scrolling um, it is an arcade game that reminds me of like a really trippy version of this flash game I played as a kid called helicopter did you ever play a game called helicopter in your browser when I you were had younger?
1: dial-up internet until I was 19 okay
0: fair enough <laughs> Well, there was this game that was really simplistic back in the day called Helicopter. And it was a game where you just had one button. You are a helicopter going along a corridor where if you hit the wall or you hit a block floating in the air, you die. And so you're just trying to get your helicopter through all these spaces. And the helicopter rises up when you you know, press down on your left mouse button or something. And then when you let go, it falls. Mm. That's really it. And you're just clicking, clicking and holding, clicking and holding to get your helicopter to navigate. That's really what's going on here, where you have a gun, you're shooting things in front of you. And you're also shooting downward to lift yourself up. So it's the combination of shooting forward or shooting down. And that's really all you can do in this game because the movement happens on its own.
1: Well, it looks like you can die a lot too.
0: You can also die a lot, but uh, (laughs) you're not usually in control of that or you're not trying to make that happen. But uh, the game is split up into three planets. Each planet has about 40 levels and each level is usually only about like 15 seconds long. If you go from the start of the level to the end, Um, but you're dying a lot. (laughs) So you're spending sometimes five, 10, 20 minutes on, on one level. And so you have to avoid all manner of spikes and bullets. Uh, The game will introduce new ideas as you go along. Like there are some levels where when you get to the ceiling of a stage, you can actually go beyond the boundary of the ceiling and then you show up on the floor Um, And then also there are moments where, you know, because the screen is automatically scrolling, there will be these pits that you might fall into. And if you don't get out of them, the screen moving past you kills you. right? Mario Squish. Exactly. Yes. And uh, you can get hit once before you die. Oh. So you do have a hit, which is nice. Mm -hmm. If you die, you respawn immediately back at the start of the level. And this game is very similar also to super one more jump, which was one of my secret games from season one. And I say that it's similar in terms of the precision that the game is asking of you. And then the level lengths are really just brief. And in addition to finishing the levels, you're aiming to collect those atomics. It will count them up in the corner. And so you get an idea of your um, completion really easily. And then there's a mode called Marathon Mode, which allows you to play all the levels and chase high scores, too. So what I liked about Run Gun, Jump Gun is its style. Uh, this game is so confident in its style. There is this like science fiction, dystopian, glitchy, frenetic feeling to it. Uh, the characters who greet you before each level, they're hyper-stylized, they're very striking, um, the game uses bold colors that really stand out in this dark world. There are pinks and greens that you wouldn't expect in a game like this. If someone just told you the premise of this game and then sat you down to play it, you might be surprised at how it looks.
1: You might think you're playing the wrong game. <laughs> exactly. So
0: like things are bright when you uh die and respawn, you get sent back to the start of the level in this like really colorful slipstream. And that's just so beautiful looking. Um, and then the game is really chunky in its presentation. Everything is communicated boldly. Uh, the bullets you shoot are big and pink. The number displaying the total atomics in each stage is very legible. There's a great contrast to the colors in the palette. So there's never a question as to what you're looking at or you know where you're supposed to go. If you die, it's often because you know, your reaction time was wrong or you just misjudged how many bullets you needed to shoot at a thing to clear an obstacle. Um, It's never because you're mixing up elements or you're confused about what things mean. And then I find this game addicting and this is going to be something that is different player to player. Um, This is a personality thing, a preference thing, but there's this constant drip of bite-sized progress where yes, these levels get hard, but they're so brief that I can kind of grind on a level until I memorize it, I get the muscle memory, whatever it is. And then I finish that level and I feel energized enough to start the next one. And then it is that for two or three hours straight. And I'm just playing this game longer than I expected to. It is like a one more try, one more mm-hmm. try kind of thing. And Uh, The one more try thing is aided by the respawning, which is really fast. You know, that slipstream brings you back to the start instantly. If you are near the end of the level, the slipstream will actually last a little longer because it takes you physically all the way back through the level. And it's just an instant. But if you're near the end, there will be a few more frames where you're seeing that respawning. And so it gives you a little extra uh, time to breathe mm. before you uh, resume. But I like that you're zooming back through the level really fast and then starting again. It's just very creative in that way. Um, another thing that makes this game you know, easier to approach for someone who might be daunted by the high intensity action is you can play levels out of order a little bit. So if you get stuck on a level, you can skip it and go to the next one um, to a certain point. Each planet has the 40 levels, and they're kind of split up into groups of 10 levels um, at a time. So there are four groups of 10 levels per planet. If you beat eight of those 10 in a set, it unlocks the next 10. Mm -hmm. And then you can beat eight of those, and it unlocks the next 10. And within a set of 10, you can do any of those in any order, which is nice. And then the music has a lot of personality it's um electronic it is what i don't know if this is an accurate you know subgenre but what i came up with was electronic glitch hop
1: <laughs> i think that it, that is i think that literally is that's what genre. i would yeah. use
0: to describe this music so loved listening to this game and uh, the sound effects are great too now i just mentioned glitch hop where this takes me in my dislikes is there is quite literally a glitch that this game is quite well known for. And if you don't know about it, it can be very upsetting when you first start up atomic run gun, jump gun. This game has a glitch where it can run at what looks like five times speed. And it's more likely if you have a monitor with a high refresh rate, like a 144 Hertz monitor. And, uh, it's just kind of something that you have to know about or just be so upset by that you Google it and then you find <laughs> out that other people have this problem. And this was a problem like five years ago when I played it. It is a problem now because it happened to me on both occasions. Oh, no. <laughs> this ha- it's, thankfully, it's easily fixed. It's easily remedied. It's just that you have to know about it. Um, you have to go into the settings. You have to like toggle V-Sync on and off um, a few times. Um, and this might only apply to the PC version. I have no idea about switch, but you have to toggle V sync on and off a few times to fix this. Um, the fix isn't apparent; It's you're not sure what it has to do with until you find other people online who have the problem. So, um, this just could turn off new players who are unaware. I wish they would fix it. Um, and then the game ramps up in difficulty in world three too harshly. So kind of like going under, the game is very surmountable. You're feeling good with world one. You're even feeling great with world two. At least I was. Yeah, where same, I'm like, I'm feeling same. the momentum. I'm almost, I'm almost two thirds of the way done with this game. This is awesome. Then I get to world three and there's a noticeable jump in difficulty. And I mentioned there are the sets of 10 levels and there are four sets in each planet. Once I get to like set three on world three, it becomes less about collecting all the atomics in the level, which I was doing a pretty good job at to just, can I finish these levels? Oh no! And I was not finishing a lot of these levels. It was very, very difficult, Um, but I did finish. I just could not realistically collect the atomics at that point, which is sort of the big goal that I'm chasing as I'm playing this game up to that point. So uh, also, you know, What makes World 3 really difficult is it introduces these obstacles that I don't like. There are these wheels. You can see them in the trailer. Oh, yeah. They have four spokes, and they take up your whole path, and you have to shoot the spokes to turn the wheel, and you're turning the wheel while you're inside the wheel. Yeah,
1: it's like one of those revolving doors. It is like a revolving door.
0: And they're very touchy. They spin dramatically if you hit them just a little too much, but they can also spin like way underspin if you don't shoot them enough. So you really have to nail how many bullets you're hitting those wheels. And it's just not, it's too much precision for me to find satisfying. So I just overall, I wish the game had even more levels that were that accessible difficulty of worlds one and two. Also run gun, jump gun has lots of flashing colors and lights especially if you die and restart a lot, and this can become exhausting. And the game actually comes with a photosensitive epilepsy warning at the start um, with no options that I could find for reducing those effects. So I wish that was something that they were maybe a little more considerate about and maybe included as something to turn off. I get that they might have a vision that they want to maintain for all players, but there are some people who will just have... Um, a harder time uh, playing this game or people who won't be able to play this game because of um, their possible epilepsy. So uh, overall, Atomic Run Gun Jump Gun has this just one more try aspect where I am (laughs) trying a level 50 more times than I first expected before I know it. Um, Its style is very confident. I think it runs out of accessible levels and becomes too hard too fast but it truly feels like a hidden gem that more people need to play. I'm going to rate this an 8.5 out of 10. Oh,
1: wow. That's way higher than I was expecting.
0: Yeah. And it's playable on PC, which is where I played it, Mac, Linux, and Nintendo Switch. Excellent. So one of
1: the things I'm curious about is if you play it on a console, what sort of like rumble feedback features are there? Because it seems like there's a lot of opportunity for controller rumble.
0: Yeah. In a game like this. Yeah. I played it with a game pad. Um, I honestly don't remember if I had rumble activated or not. Um, I, you know, when you're playing this, you're focused (laughs) so much on just getting through and not getting hit twice because that means you die. So if that was in there, um, I guess maybe it wasn't noticeable enough to make a note on it here, but. That doesn't mean it's not in there.
1: Right. I'm curious about it. Yeah. Either way. Um on I guess, switch
0: especially like because there are some cool vibration things that developers do on those Joy-Cons, for yeah. instance. So yeah.
1: So based also on feedback, are there any sort of like screen shakes or or impressive sound effects that you can recall? There's like there's a lot of points of failure that should be they should uh soften that blow with something appealing, I think.
0: Yeah, there's a nice little I feel like there's a shake when just you shoot things, but it's not something that's overly distracting or something that I am noticing actively. And then on sound effects, you know, I immediately think of like the slipstream revival where I get. I die and it does the sound as I'm going back to the the start. So there are iconic things like that. The gun sounds a certain way when you shoot things. Um, So yeah, I, I loved how this game sounded and that's both the sound effects and the music as well that I mentioned.
1: Okay. And then the only other thing I'm curious about, did you look up to see if you are rewarded for collecting all the atomics?
0: So I understood the bonus of, at- of collecting the atomics from world one because world one is easy enough for me where I was able to collect all the atomics and there are somewhere around 400 atomics in world one and I oh, got them all. God. Okay. Um, yeah, because you might have on average like 10 atomics per level. You've got 40 levels. It adds up pretty quick. So, but I did find them all. Um, And there are bonus stages you unlock for both finishing all the levels in a world and for collecting all the atomics on a planet. And so I unlocked a bonus stage that was longer than the standard level in world one. And it took me like half an hour to finish. It was very hard. Wow. There are no atomics in it until the very end. There were 30 atomics just in a row. And as I'm going down this corridor at the end, I'm just automatically collecting them all. So it's like, oh, here's okay. your reward for doing this gauntlet, basically. Have have so some, really some hard. serotonin
1: or whatever. Ba- yes. Yeah.
0: So it was a good reward. I'm glad it didn't spread those throughout this really hard stage that was like three times longer than the rest of the stages. I didn't do this on World 2 or 3. And there could be other secrets I don't know about.
1: Yeah. Okay. That sounds like the formula to Yoshi's Island. And this game reminds me a lot of another game that I uh, tested for a minute called, um, Downwell. Oh yeah. I've heard of that. Um, yeah. It just reminds me a lot of that. Uh, I don't know which one's more difficult cause I had a pretty hard time with Downwell is also. So yeah. Well, well see. I
0: would, this is a game that I don't honestly recommend to you, but it's one of the games that I would love seeing you play, <laughs> you know, just because it is so, Kinetic and frenetic. Yeah. Um, I would love seeing anyone play. I
1: can get into flows. I can get into flows with stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, But eventually it's like, I don't want to own this because my compulsion to complete uh, might cause me to lose some sleep.
0: Yeah, There are over a thousand atomics in the game, so you would probably have a tough time. Also, on the level selection screen, it will put a little extra... Icon on a level if you finished it without getting hit once. Are you kidding? Yes. And I, you know, doing a whole world perfectly, that might unlock a certain bonus stage too. I don't know. But Uh, so there's that level for you. Good God. Get over yourselves. Have fun with run, (laughs) run, gun, jump, fun. No. So, uh, those are our secret games going under and Atomic Run Gun Jump Gun. Let's move on to our review of Abzu. It is our featured game. Abzu is a 2016 adventure game. It was later ported to more platforms after 2016. It was developed by Giant Squid Studios and published by 505 Games. I will read the game synopsis from the Steam storefront. Quote, From the art director of Journey, Abzu is a beautiful underwater adventure that evokes the dream of diving. Immerse yourself in a vibrant, hidden world, bursting with color and life as you descend into the heart of the ocean. But beware as you swim deeper, as dangers lurk in the depths. End quote. Abzu is a third-person adventure where you play as a diver who wakes up in the ocean. And you have this ability to awaken these wells on the ocean floor, uh, which bring back life to the ocean. There are fish and things swimming around you, and you can go in you know, many directions and see all of the life around you. But there are organisms that you're kind of reviving with this power that you have. And you also explore ruins You encounter uh, murals that hint at a civilization that once thrived in the ocean. And you eventually come across these inverted pyramid-shaped devices that have harvested energy from the ocean. Um, And it seems like they're the reason the civilization fell or they have something to do with that. Um, And you encounter all manner of marine life. You can even ride on some creatures like whales, whales. Uh, which is kind of fun. And your diver eventually meets a shark who she follows throughout the game. And uh, you can also find these little robots that clear paths for you. And the goal really just becomes to explore the ocean and decipher the meaning of what's going on. Uh, The game is told wordlessly. A lot of the meaning is interpreted through pictures and action rather than speech. And like we said at the top of the show, the game maybe takes an hour and a half, two hours for the average player. So it is a short experience. And that's why there's not a lot to say in this section, especially because um, its story is a little bit more mysterious. But what do you think? Is there anything else worth um, talking about?
1: Nothing that I don't already have in my notes for for myself.
0: Yeah. So I think this is a really straightforward game in our featured game (laughs) slot, but it's a really popular indie game. I think because it captures that... Feeling that energy of Journey, which is just a massive indie game that we actually haven't reviewed on this show yet, but we will someday. Um, you and I both played Journey years ago. We have, I think we've both played that multiple times. And I so, actually only just played Journey last year. For oh, was like, that the first time?
1: Not the like first time, the first time I finished
0: it. First time you finished. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we are familiar with the game. Um, and so going into Abzu, I guess I didn't even know that it was developed by some of the same people. You know, I didn't know some of the journey and development team went on to help make Abzu. Uh, but I, I soon saw the parallels on my own, mm-hmm. you know, without even doing that research. And so my thoughts on this game are pretty brief. Yeah. I imagine yours are too. They're not super long. And so now let's just get into it. Disco Cola, what did you think of this underwater adventure called Abzu?
1: Yeah, it's man, it's hard to say a lot about Abzu. Um, Like you said, this is another game that shows you instead of tells you. And I think that's done really effectively. But, you know, there's still only so much I can say about the game. I think it's pretty obvious that this game truly shines in its visual art and especially its scale. Um, you spend the entirety of the game in the most vast and colorful and diverse ecosystem on our planet, uh, and I think Abzu really spent a lot of time crafting this biodiversity and ensuring that that scale is portrayed in a really cinematic way, in in more ways than one. Uh, our <laughs> character feels sort of like passive at the time, um, but I think this is most obvious in their visual appearance. Um, our own character has far less detail than anything else in abzu so i think that's a real testament to the world that they uh crafted and and the scale of the world i think this game has a commentary as well uh though it's pretty straightforward and one that i've seen in other games like terra nil and flower um in in fact now that i kind of think of it this game seems a lot like flower to me but underwater Mm. it feels a lot more like flower okay um now I'm also kind of wishing that I had Terra Nil and going under sort of swapped for secret games. <laughs> oh but no. I just I knew so I knew so little about Abzu. I'll go back and
0: edit the episode. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make it work. It will not be weird at all.
1: References will totally make sense. <laughs> yeah. Um another thing that really stands out for me uh, about Abzu is how it leads the player. Um one time when I was in college, I had this like photography assignment. And we were meant to take photos that meet certain concepts. And one of them was called Leading Lines. Mm. And I didn't really understand what that was asking for. And I also failed to meet that criteria on the assignment.
0: You misled with your lines.
1: Totally, (laughs) totally (laughs) failed to find lines. Um, But I think if I had played Abzu first, I might have had a better understanding of that concept. It's almost always pretty obvious where you are supposed to go to progress. But there are also several places that you could otherwise go. And this is the heckin ocean.
0: Like this place is huge. Really important in this game, especially there are levels where, you know, the scale is smaller, but then there are places where the scale really opens up. Yeah.
1: It's it gets big. And so for them to design a way to prevent getting lost in the ocean without also hand holding you entirely. Yeah. That's not a small task.
0: And I noticed they did it not just with shapes and with leading lines or whatever you want to call them. I noticed they did it with lighting. You know, yeah. and that, that's a really popular use of lighting in games is just highlighting areas where you're supposed to go, making areas more appealing or just catching your eye. And yeah. that was I, going on a ton.
1: I failed to even, you know, write down lighting in my notes, but like use of color and identifiable landmarks. Um, there's like some pretty notable landmarks near where you're supposed to go. So you never forget what the object looks like when you started veering off the beaten path. Um, density of life even sort of. Uh, helps to lead you where you want to go. So the, the game just managed to leave you breadcrumbs for when you decide to stray from obvious paths. Yeah,
0: that's something I didn't even pick up on, but there are schools of fish Yeah, that you'll run into. And the schools of fish, I guess, are more scattered in places where you're really not supposed to go. Or it's just, you know, there's not a lot of detail right. in those areas exactly. that are off the beaten path.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's that's sort of my first and primary like for this game, is that I think the literal direction of the game is intelligently designed. It allows you to explore without punishment. And that's something I sort of like. dislike about open-world games in general, is that there's not always a reward, or you can feel punished when you go off the beaten path. Um, But in this game, I rarely feel disoriented or lost, at least not because of the vastness of the ocean. Mm -hmm. I never feel those things. Um. I love the visuals and the music. The music is beautiful. Uh, great orchestral work from Austin Wintori. Um, we're even treated to a chamber choir at one point, which sort of adds to the grandness of, of everything. Uh, and I love me some some chamber choirs. There's there's a bit of a technology element to the game. You mentioned the machines. Um, there's a little bit more as well. Um, not Not only was I not expecting that, but I tend to love when sci-fi elements or robots in particular are sort of placed in as a focus into other genres. So that's sort of like a, a, nice little thing for me. And the, the last thing I want to know under likes is how this game was able to sort of change my perspective from beginning to end. You were alluding to something in nuts that I, I kind of feel in this game, just based on how you were vaguely describing your feelings um, and so I, I, I love when games can elicit those kind of emotional responses in me by just playing through the game and discovering more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and it's not using words to do any of this either. Yeah.
0: While I play our games for underplayed, I will, um, keep like a document on my phone and I will write down notes so I don't forget things. And just because I played nuts the other episode in this season, that game is really fresh on my mind. I did write down, oh my gosh this is reminding me of nuts, not the exact same beat for beat kinds of moments, but just the general idea about, for me, it was like preserving the planet and environmentalism Mm -hmm. and things like that. I was getting some of those vibes here.
1: Yeah. 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 And and the way you described nuts, I was like, I wonder if this is what happens in nuts.
0: Yeah. And this would have been a great synergy kind of game (laughs) with nuts, but we didn't know that at the time. There's just no way to know. Um, so
1: moving on for dislikes, I only have a couple, um, but some might consider them big. I don't it's hard to say. Uh, first up is that I don't always like controlling our character um by default at least on console, the sticks are inverted. Um, and I've mentioned it before, usually I just stick with default controls, and even when things are inverted, I can adapt pretty quickly, but for some reason here in Abzu, I found myself swimming in directions that I didn't want to move a few too many times. It just, it happened a few too many times for me to be like, these controls are, it's my fault. Sometimes I felt like it wasn't. My other primary dislike, and I almost will never say this, but the game's just too short. Yeah. Um, I can't make this as a massive complaint as I happen to get Abzu at no cost. And I know it also goes on sale pretty often, but I just don't feel like I got enough time to enjoy myself. And now, now, don't get me wrong. I'd almost always rather complain about a game being too short than way too long. Um, and I think the game successfully makes its arc in the time that it has, and I still get that emotional connection. But I don't get a I don't get to live there very long. You know, I make this emotional connection in the game, and before I know it, that object is taken away from me
0: yeah I I didn't write that down as a note while I was playing but I also share that where I'm longing for more from this afterwards it's like I I feel full but I'm not like stuffed in a way that a good game sometimes makes me feel
1: and this game is so like visually stunning that I wouldn't mind being forced to look at it a little bit longer that wouldn't hurt me you know if I had to look at it just a little bit longer um, but at the same time, I barely finished going under this week. Yeah. So for timeline's sake, I do, I <laughs> sure. do appreciate that. this Yeah. Good was thing it was short. Good thing you did short. pick
0: like your longest secret game ever for this. <laughs> um, but that quality also reminds me of flower, you know, going back to your comparison yep. there is like flower. I would love to be in that world longer. And, you know, we'll talk probably more about comparisons to things like journey and flower in a second. Yeah. But yeah.
1: But- So Abzu was not quite what I expected and then managed to surprise me even more while I played it. Uh, There's nothing really wrong with Abzu at all, but I don't think I'll be reminiscing about Abzu too often, Uh, and I think it has most of it to do with I wish there was just more to chew on. All the same, I think the beautiful art direction and intelligent design and great message did impact me in the brief time that I spent with it. Um, I do look forward to capturing the last few collectibles for the trophies that I didn't get yet, uh, and I don't foresee visiting this game too often after that. So for me, I'm torn between like a 7.5 and an 8. Um, I'm going to go with a 8.
0: Nice. Okay, cool. Um, Well, I thought Abzu was... Just looking back after finishing, I thought... It was a logical response to Journey and that it feels like Journey, but it doesn't look like Journey. It's like another kind of Journey, and I will take that any day of the week. Um, This game is gorgeous in its graphics and asset designs. It takes the ocean, which is just like a vast and dark and scary, intimidating, unimaginable place, and it creates a lot of beauty from that, and each area is visually distinct, Uh, chapter one has all the kelp, all the green, Mm -hmm. and you never really see that again. Um, Chapter three has all of the ruins where everything is like amber colored, and it almost looks autumnal. And then um, chapter four is where things start to get eerie and dark. And so there's just really great character and personality in how all these places look and they all feel like they do exist in the same ocean, which is incredible to me. So there's range in the feelings that it offers. Um, there is a surprising emotional journey with the shark for me where the shark shows up and we're taught in, in so much media to just fear sharks. And this shark scared me when I first saw it. And (laughs) You learn to really feel for that shark by the end, and uh, I did not expect that that might make my list of surprises for the season. There are moments of the breathtaking scale um especially at the end you know yeah. I had a jaw dropping moment um, the game works also when you're looking at like the murals and that civilization that you know was around at some point that you never really see firsthand. there's a level where You're just enjoying the game surface level for what it is. It's a beautiful adventure game. You're just going from point A to B to C. But then there is a deeper level with examining those murals and trying to interpret things. And I think the game really works for both the people who just want to have a relaxing adventure and also for the people who like interpreting things. I fall into the former camp. Mm-hmm. I don't like interpreting vague stuff, especially when it's wordless and there's even less evidence.
1: And I'm I'm on the other end of it where some of the most impactful elements I took away from this was yeah. from what I
0: interpreted. Yeah. So... I think the game works for both kinds of players. And uh, I don't feel like I'm missing out on the other side. And I don't think the other side is missing out on my side. So um, that's a difficult balance to achieve, I think. I also note about the music, you know, beautiful music. I also love the chamber choir stuff. Um, Just gave me goosebumps. Um, What I disliked about Absu, I thought the gameplay loop became a little bland and samey, even though all the chapters do. Look distinct visually. You're just kind of activating doors and then going through the doors. And then you're activating doors and going through the doors. It's kind of that. It's not as repetitive as other loops in other adventure games I've played. Um, but it was a little formulaic um, at a certain point. There are invisible walls in places where it looked like there was a really fun cranny to go Mm. explore, um, like holes, um, where like light was coming from and you hit an invisible wall or just, you know, there's a bunch of darkness ahead of you on the edge of the map. And you think, Oh, what if there's something over there? And then you just kind of start to turn around on your own because you've hit the invisible wall. So there were a few moments like that, that broke the immersion. Um, the pause menu this isn't a huge criticism, but there are very few uninteresting options in the pause menu. And even how it's designed looks like it was designed in like an hour. You know, okay. it looks like it was kind of thrown. I didn't together. even
1: end up pausing this whole time.
0: Well, I did pause to change those camera controls and um, the camera controls took me trial and error to figure out uh, just like you, you know, it, it. I had moments of frustration with like going up when I meant to go down. It was really just like the first two chapters needing to get through that trial and error of learning them what I did is I kept the camera controls normal and you can change like the pitch and the yaw of the camera. And then I kept the swimming controls inverted for whatever reason, that was the combination that made the most sense in my brain. Mm -hmm. And so it took me trial and error to figure that out. And so there are these moments where you're looking at this beautiful game and you're trying to just navigate to the robots, to the wells, to activate the organisms And you go up when you mean to go down, and it looks so goofy. It kind of breaks the beauty for a second. It looks just so unintentional. And then there's just like that moment of trying to correct your
1: course, too, that you're just like curving around yourself and contorting your body. Yeah, you you
0: really can't turn on a dime, too. So if you go a wrong direction, it takes a few extra seconds to get oriented. But overall, Abzu is a game. That, like Nuts from a few episodes ago, made me think about some really important things. And it is one of the most beautiful games we've played, uh, both with its believable creatures and the stunning art direction. Um, there's very little challenge here, which is not the point at all. Um, but the exploration can become a little predictable. Um, but it works really well as this meditation tool in the moment it's played. I think it would make a, an even stronger impression if it were longer. Um, I'm also going to rate it an 8 out of 10. And I was, before today, like right after I played it, I was between an 8 and an 8.5. And I've since cooled just a little bit. And I feel really good about an 8 for Abzu.
1: Cool. Excellent. Love it. Love that we're aligned for the first time in a little while. For the first time. (laughs) It feels good to be back. Back on track.
0: Next time it will be completely thrown off again. But um, yeah, so like you'll hate chicory and all that yeah, or something I'll like that. I'll loathe chicory. Yeah, one out of ten. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> this game reminded me also of Hoa from season one, which if you remember, that was another gorgeous game. Like the highest praise I give to that game is how it looks. And it's um, a game that's also kind of like introspective, but there's very little challenge going on. But I had more problems with Hoa where the repetition was much more – Um, clumsy and kind of like beating you over the head with the same tasks. And it got really bland, whereas I never felt that Abzu was bland. I wanted to keep seeing the environments this game was going to offer to me. So that's where I really strongly prefer Abzu. Um, I mentioned the shark. There were surprises with the shark. Can you vaguely describe your emotional journey with the shark if you had one?
1: Well, I think you captured it. I mean, it it literally did go from like fear and and paranoia and just like framing this as my antagonist and then as i went through the world my perspective of an antagonist changed yes um and and shifted yes uh and so yeah i think the way you you said it is is correct
0: in the final chapter you have something happen with the shark you know, there are lots of games where there is a climax or a high point somewhere in the middle or like two thirds of the way through. And then we sort of come down from that. This is a game where the final chapter has maybe my favorite moment, my favorite sequence. Mm-hmm. And it involves that shark. And so I was really surprised by that. Loved that. I can't speak about it. I wish I could because we avoid <laughs> spoilers, but that was so cool. Yeah. I and mean, then you don't do anything like it um, the rest of the game. Um, so going to that analytical side of you, you know, okay. that that interpretive side. Uh, what readings are you getting from this game? Maybe that we haven't mentioned, or have we covered them all?
1: Ooh. Okay. Well, I'll, I can get into it as far as I can get into it. And then if you feel it's too spoilery, you are the one with the edit
0: tools, okay. my friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll see. We'll see where this goes.
1: So I think that framing the shark as something to be feared at the very beginning is really important. Because I think what I took away from the game is that we are a member of that civilization. So we're going into the water and we're seeing the shark and it's destroying our machine. And we're like, ah, I'm angry, you know? Uh, and then we also use this same machine to destroy a piece of coral, which is just mm. essentially the door. Right. And and so that that has me conflicted as someone who like, cares about, you know, preservation of nature and ecosystems. I'm like, we shouldn't we shouldn't be doing this. Like we should have we should just stop right here. Yeah. Because we're using this machine to destroy some some wildlife. Um and then as we go on further and further, we start seeing those inverted pyramids. And so the way I'm taking this is that us, this remnant of this civilization, is is making amends, is cleaning up what we've left behind for this ocean. Gotcha. Yeah. And so I think that's that's the most important thing for me is just it's it's shifting from staying safe in an ocean to making amends for, for your mistakes or, or fixing your problems.
0: I like that interpretation. I like what you're taking away from this game. That's the kind of depth of interpretation that I really like. That's about where I like to stop mm-hmm. because then there's the layer of, oh, are you reading the murals and... Getting clues from the the glyphs on the walls because those tell another story. You know, I saw a video of someone breaking all those down and like, oh, what does basically that mean? Like, like
1: translating a language, translating
0: language, translating pictures into a whole narrative. I don't like that, and you're not doing that because that's annoying to me. You know, I, it's just homework. <laughs> I want to just play the game, but like, there are people who think that you know the the pyramids and maybe this is canon. You know, I probably is, but the the machines came down into the ocean from above and there's a certain relationship they have with our character and our character has this backstory that you don't know Mm -hmm. for a while. And I'm not even going to touch on that, but there's that whole level. But your explanation there, it's really life affirming. It's very nice. (laughs) I'm going to choose to carry that forward with me in my heart when I think of Abzu. Okay. I love it. Um, There are several members of uh, the development team that worked on Journey like we said uh, there's the director of the game the composer carries over um so there are the elements of Abzu that remind me of Journey like you're a lone wanderer you know and you're it's speechless and then we were talking about Flower a little bit too where it's really colorful and there are all these different environments that it's just Flower but underwater um was there anything else that reminded you of like those games
1: uh Well, I mean, there's the the chapter with the currents that literally reminds me of a level out of Journey. It yeah. it feels like it was... I forgot about that. <laughs> it just ripped straight from Journey. I'm just like, what would it look like if a sand hill was not a hill but underwater? <laughs> yeah. And then they did that.
0: Yes, I, t- I totally forgot about that. And Flower is also on our list of um, future featured games too, so we'll play that at one point. Um, but then I'm curious... Maybe more curious about what does this game do that Journey and Flower don't do? And one thing that's very obvious is the ocean setting versus the desert setting. Of course. But then another thing I notice is in Journey, you start the game and you see way in the distance the peak of that mountain that you eventually go to. Yes. And you kind of always know that is my destination. Correct. And you're slowly getting you know, closer and closer. There are times where you can't see that mountain, and then you emerge again and you realize how closer you are now. In Abzu, you don't know where you're going. Right. That is fascinating. Your journey is nebulous. Yes. You start in the water. You're just kind of floating there. And you don't know that the game will have all these like additional meanings. You don't know about the shark. You don't know about the pyramids. You just you're a diver in the ocean. So was there anything that like jumps out at you as, hey, this team kind of took this formula and introduced some new ideas?
1: Well, I feel much more compelled to make this journey because I'm I'm emotionally connected to somebody or something. In journey, you can meet someone, but I played the PS3 version, you know, fourteen years
0: after it came out. Nobody was playing sure. Journey with me. So it's just a single it player experience. Yeah, it
1: was solitary. And
0: you're saying you can meet someone as in the shark? Yes. Yes. You have that relationship. Yeah. yeah I have a relationship. Okay.
1: Not only with that, but with the with the environment as well. Whereas like I think in Journey you're you're collecting things and that's the closest thing you have to an environment with a relationship to the environment yeah. is that you sort of like activate more in that hub area. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, like, and you're uh, like
0: using the environment, you're activating platforms. Yeah. You're collecting um, those things that extend your scarf to right. make you jump higher and stuff. Yeah. But
1: that's all like
0: for me, for my
1: benefit. Right. Whereas yeah. I am enriching what, what I am leaving behind.
0: Yeah. It feels it feels uh, more noble in a way. In, I
1: that's what I think.
0: Um, flower, you're bringing life to some of those areas, which is nice, and
1: that's kind of why I feel like the stronger connection to flower between the two.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I forgot to mention there are moments where you can just meditate. Yeah. In Abzu, you find these meditation statues, and you sit on them, and I think there are always sharks. I think yeah, the are I think sharks. they're all the same. Yeah. And uh it's a moment where you sit down and the camera switches to this perspective of the sea life around you. Yeah. And you can uh press a button to switch between all these different fish and you just watch these fish live their lives. Yeah. And it's just really nice. Yeah. It's I really think it,
1: and it's like a great excuse for 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 them to show off their animations and mm-hmm. Uh, you just get to look at the pretty fishies. It's like looking at a fish tank at the doctor's office. (laughs) It
0: is. And it also tells you what kind of fish it is. Yeah. And you get to learn something. Yeah. There were some fish that I recognized from Animal Crossing. I was going to say,
1: I (laughs) I was like, if I didn't know what a mahi-mahi was already, I would now. (laughs) I I do now, yes.
0: (laughs) Um, And then another difference is just this game is giving you the movement in the water. There's another dimension of the movements. Um, some of it comes across in like the frustrating controls that just take a trial and error. But then once you figure it out, it's, uh, just adds a whole layer for me that I really like, um, Disco Cola. Was there anything else about Abzu you wanted to note? I don't think so, man. It's hard to note
1: something like, I think our, our biggest, one of our, one of our biggest takeaways is that the game was shorter than we wanted. Yeah.
0: We wanted a little bit more. I know. Yeah. I've had a couple of those in my secret games. Um, Over the past few seasons, I think this is the first time that it has notably happened in the featured game category, but I'm still very glad that we played it and that we're kind of aligned on it. Uh, We both gave it an eight. That is our review of Abzu. You can play it on PC, Nintendo Switch. PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Again, we both rated it an 8. That's the end of this episode of Underplayed. You can find more of our episodes at kzum.org slash underplayed and on common podcast services like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Our music was composed by Jack Rodenberg. Our art comes from Onimochi. Underplayed is on Twitter at underplayedpod. You can find me on Twitter at bopo. That's B-O underscore P-O and check out Bopo on the GG app as well, where you can see my game lists like uh, my list of games whose demos I'm playing at the Steam Next Fest. I already have a list started from the February 2023 version, and I'm just going to add to that list as I play more.
1: You can find me at Disco Cola on Twitch, Twitter, and the GG app. I have a list of Games where I discovered the music first and that's why I played the game. Super fun. You can also catch Underplayed on Twitch at Underplayed Podcast. We'll be playing Cuphead for a while at least.
0: Yeah, DLC is hard. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Next time we will have two more secret games to review and our featured game will be Chicory, A Colorful Tale, an adventure game developed by Wishes Unlimited. Until then, everyone, keep on playing.